listening to the Wisdom, Truth, and Freedom Podcast, where we share our wisdom, speak the truth, and enjoy our freedom while we discuss topics that impact our world through the lens of our different views and backgrounds. While we're not experts, our opinions are expertly held. Webster's definition of fatherhood, according to the dictionary, is uh, the state or condition of being a father, or as I tell my children, father. (laughs) So fatherhood, the the state or condition of being a father. So I'll I'll, I'll start by asking, um, what makes a good father? Uh, Rule number one. Um, being there. Um, you can't be a good father if you're not there. And that's, uh, unfortunately, uh, I would think a lot of people would argue with that because we're in a world where um, 45% of children are born into single-family households. Some some in cases where the fa- obviously the fathers exist somewhere and some of those fathers are elsewhere and they try to be uh as good a father as they can from long distances, but it's it, it's proven over and over again. I think that it's it, you, you're really behind the eight ball. So rule number one is is you you have to be there. Um, quality of time is important, but you got to have the quantity as well. Is a long distance father uh, being a father from long distance just doesn't work, and I think that's just one of the things that is we're suffering from today. You, know, you can't you know. <clears throat> Single family households. Uh, so rule number one, I would have to say, is is being there. A mediocre father that's there is a, is a lot better than a than a father that's not there at all. Yeah, uh, I'll agree with that. But I have, I think you have to realize that uh, being a male is by chance. Being a father or a man is your choice. It's a job. You have to accept a job and do what's necessary. But Tom's right. Uh, even a mediocre father is better than no father. And uh, I had a a uh, professor who said bad strokes are better than no strokes. And I don't know if I'll go into it now, but I had a, even giving him the benefit of the doubt, a mediocre father. But I know things that were passed on to me, even subliminally, that made me a better man and a better father. So, so let me ask. Uh, um, so, if if uh, what makes a, f- a father is being there, or what makes a good father is being there, d- does being there uh, implies that you are engaged? No, not at all. And, and I referred to this earlier. I had a father who was unfortunately an alcoholic. I had everything that went with it, which meant abuse to me, my mother, um, vulgarity. It was. For me, it was a horrible existence, and I hated the man. We, who later, it's funny, I, I learned uh, I had to take care of him. But as I said before, the one thing he did, sub- I shouldn't say one thing, but things subconsciously, I would go to bed at night, and he'd be laying on the floor. The next day, he'd be at work. And I realized that my brothers and I absorbed that work ethic, that no matter what, you had to go to work. He also, unfortunately... Um, judge people by how much money they had. And that was instilled in all my brothers. And, and I'm not saying that's the way to be because money is a resource. It shouldn't be your source. God should be your source. But all of us are successful financially because he told, showed us how to handle money. I bought my first stock when I was 15 years old. Uh, so even though you're there and maybe not a good father in what we're going to describe in the traditional sense, just being there, whether you realize it or not, is imparting some direction to that male child, even the female child. And the reason for that is, <clears throat> and I don't know, I, I've, I've heard the quote so many times from so many different sources, is a child, you can give all the child all the advice you want and all the direction you want but they're going to learn so much more from simply observing you so it's how you act 
how much, you know, how you act, how you act when, when you're there and you're part of the family. And, and it, they're going to learn more from that um, than they are, I think, than what you directly try to instill in them. You know, don't do not do as I say, do as I do. And I think uh, that's true for me. I think that's true for a lot of people. My favorite quote with regard to that is um, the best thing you can do for your child, uh, the best thing a father can do for their child is love their mother. I mean, what's more important than that? Um, and I'm reminded of that every day, you know, is, is, you know, your children are watching how you treat your wife. And what's more important for your son to become a man and how to treat women hmm. or for your daughter on how she should expect to be treated when she becomes a woman. So I think it's uh, being there. Now, obviously, if, uh, you know, if there's bad things in the household, that's going to have the reverse effect. But that, um, you know, to me, the first step, obviously, is being there and then taking an active role. But uh, what your child observes uh, in your daily life is, I think, is is, is huge. Um, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Uh, <clears throat> when I asked that question about uh, if you're there, are you automatically or is it implied that you're engaged? Um, I can say that I, I've been there and I'm still there for my children. And I have been engaged. I can say I, I'm engaged in who their friends are. I'm engaged in what interests they have. I'm engaged in uh, uh, what they go through. If uh, I'm engaged in disciplining them. I'm engaged in all of those aspects uh, as they grow up. But I can tell you that I was never engaged in one area that to this day bothers me. And I know that it meant a lot to my children. And unfortunately, it's something that, you know, I, I've come to terms with it. And I've accepted it, and uh, it is what it is, as they say. And I've told my children, accept it. You know, I did the best I could. And it's a simple, silly thing, a, a, a thing of the society, um, a symbol of the society, I guess. And that is, I never threw myself in the floor to play video games with them. And that's something that every one of my boys asked me. And uh, to this day, I still don't, I just never got into that. Um, and I, I, I regret it because I should have made the attempt. Uh, I'm sure I sat down and they were so good at it that I guess, I guess being so competitive, I just wasn't willing to let them see how they could beat me, silly me. But it is one of those things that uh, I, don't, I wasn't engaged, uh, obviously, I was engaged in everything else, but so that's something that I guess I guess what I'm saying is there are levels of engagement, but what we think is unimportant, and my, that's my point. It is it might be extremely important to the children. You don't know uh, <clears throat> how important it might be to them. Um, A lot of that is generational too. Um, I know today. You know, the pushes for fathers, you know, in a, in, a, in a time when fatherhood is being attacked from within because fathers are failing from without with toxic masculinity and the whole push that, you know, we don't need a father to <laughs> two mothers is fine and all that. But my father was actively engaged on the one hand. He taught me how to play golf. He taught me how to hunt. He taught me how to fish. He taught me how to use tools. He taught me all that stuff. But he never got on. He never sat down and played video games <laughs> with me. It wasn't, you know, it, 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 we didn't do a lot of that. There was a di different role. And that's transitioning uh, for sure. I think a lot of that's um, generational. He was there and for the discipline and he was there in the background on a daily basis and then yeah we would do our stuff on the weekends and we would do our stuff at designated times but um i don't ever recall doing the little things that i've done with my daughters like play with play with the toy i, I don't remember ever sitting down and playing with toys with me when i was a little kid and i did a lot of that with my daughters so that that's changed a lot and i i think they're both i don't think either of them is wrong it's just uh again it's what um I think it's uh, it, it is it could be generational, it could be cultural. I, I know in my case it was, uh, you all know that I'm foreign born, and so we came here with nothing, and so there were times in my life that I have multiple jobs, and that's all I had on on my mind, providing, providing, and so I would come home dead tired, and the last thing I wanted to do was play a game that was fictitious, uh, fic uh, fiction to me. Um, but I, I do know that I did every other thing uh, with them. So uh, I don't feel too bad about it, but, you know, it's one of those things that uh, 
as you get older, I guess you have all these uh, regrets, perhaps. Um, what about uh, <clears throat> what about young parents? What could we say to young parents uh, uh, today? And and I mean, um, in my case, I got married at 21, so that's really young for today's culture. But what can we say for uh, to young parents, young fathers, for instance? What can you say from drawing from your experience? Young married fathers? I don't know if there are any anymore. <laughs> well, that's know, true. What's young? Under thirty? <laughs> under? Um, you know, how many people get married under the age of 30 anymore, never mind married, or under the age of 25? And I think of what my parents did by the age of 20, by the age of 30, my mother had seven children, and that was pretty much the norm in an Irish Catholic family. Um, but today, um, financially, I don't know if you, I could give, give advice, because even in the last 30 years, um, I don't know where... My a lot of the practical advice would hold water. Certainly, the advice I would give would be more spiritual. It would be more, um, more emotional, more um, just from a loving standpoint. What it is to be a father. I I give my as a father of daughters. I think I have some wonderful advice about how to be a father to a daughter. Would I be an expert as to be how to be a father to a son? I don't know. I don't have sons. Um, I, I remember a friend of mine, my, my best friend, one of my best friends from high school, he was, you know, one of those uh, typical high school athlete, was great in every sport, very macho, always spent, not well, not macho, but very athletic, very male. And um, he's, you know, the kind that would spend eight hours every Sunday watching football. You know, that Sunday was football and played every sport known to man. And he ended up having just daughters, and I'll never forget when I when I adopted my two daughters. Remember him coming to me and saying, "You know, I have daughters now, and and it's great because you know people say, oh, wow, you know, you should have.' People say, oh, you're you're one guy who should have had a son.' And he said, well, you know, now I have daughters, and I don't feel any pressure to push them into sports, to push them into being a football player like I was or a baseball player or a basketball player, to push them to succeed at all these things that, you know, a, a father wants his son to succeed at when he's young. I can just love my daughters and protect them and, and just love them. And, and it's a lot, I'm having a lot more fun at it, you know. So we're all amateurs at it. That's uh, another one of my favorite sayings. Somebody saying where fatherhood is one of those things where, uh, nobody's a professional. We're all amateurs at it. And we all, and some of us, uh, or all of us, especially with the, the older children, we, um, we, I don't want to say we practice on them, but we, we kind of make a lot of mistakes maybe on the first child. And we'll hear about it 20 or 30 years later. But none of us are perfect, but it's, the, it's in the attempt, I guess. Speaking to young parents, whatever age that is nowadays, at least from my perspective, you don't need to be their friend. You need to be their parents. You need to set the level and expectations. And whether it's physically admonishment, which is no longer in fashion, or taking away the things they love, they have to know that there's consequences and your expectations for them have to be at the level. So when they go out into society, their moral and ethics are in line with what you as a Christian man want it to be. I think that's the biggest change in the last 20 years is that, that I mean, it's almost become cliche. You know, you're not your child's friend. And I think it's a very hard for a lot of parents to get to that point of discipline where they have to make that difficult choice and, and take something away. I know it's been very hard for me, but I think that's why it's... Um, important to have both parents because you're going to both fill different roles and one of them when one of them falters or 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 isn't comfortable with something the, the other one steps right in it's more natural for them or whatnot but i think the discipline versus being a buddy uh, thing is huge my father had an aura about him that we didn't fear him the whole neighborhood feared him you didn't dare walk across my front lawn because it was perfect, and you know, if you were a kid in the neighborhood, my Nate, we didn't fear him, but we knew we were. He never struck any of the seven of us ever. Came close to that, but um, he he just had to. 
he just set a, a an aura that was almost there from birth that uh, what was expected of us, and we dared not um, we dared not dwell, you know, uh, uh, wander from that. You know, my mother could do only so much as as much as you know the mother is there for the for the everyday discipline and control of the child. I don't think anyone would deny that um, it was the fear of the old wait till your father gets home. And for me, again, it never involved, it hardly even involved uh, a verbal. It just was a, he just had to give a look. And whether it was a look of disappointment or a look of, and it said, it said wonders. And I don't know how my father did it. Um, and I think I kind of do it too. And I can't explain how you do it. But I think it's, it's something that is, is a male thing and a fatherless home it's just having that missing from a fatherless home i can't imagine um you know what that would mean for the discipline of a child what about helping them with homework well like you talked about you know never laying down and doing that's been the hard that's where i've spent the most with my children but that was always the hardest for me when i got home when i was really tired and and not so much the math and but when you know, my daughter does it, does it a lot now where I'll come home and I'm tired and I'm cranky and she hands me a 15-page literature paper <laughs> for me to proofread and go over because it's due tomorrow. Uh, you know, how do you walk away from that? But that, that's been probably the most important. I can't say it's the most important because I want my kids to have fun with me too. But that's one that's always been easier for me not to say, uh, you know, let's do it tomorrow. I've always... Even when it's really hard, um, you know, late at night to do that. I, that's one I've always tried to stick to. That's always been easy, easy for me. However, um, <clears throat> I don't think every child likes to have uh, their parents uh, help them with homework. I, 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 at least that was my experience in my household. Um, I have four kids, and at least one of them, really didn't like that and and for no other reason than perhaps maybe <clears throat> all the siblings were are so competitive that they just I, I'm going to do this on my own I can do this um, I'll call you if I need you which is fine with me um, but you know as, as a parent especially if you know a subject matter you, you know mm -hmm. you want them to come to you and uh, but I guess you have to kind of try to understand it on their own, on its merits. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned something earlier, Tom, about uh, do as I say and not as I do. Do as I do and not as I say. Do as I do and not as I say. Did I say it backwards? <laughs> no. I don't think. Uh, but <clears throat> what about that uh, phrase? I, I One of the, er the, the earliest phrases I remember my father saying to me, perhaps from a generation gone by, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Um, has that is does that phrase still carry weight? Is that is that how we should? Um, what do you guys say about that? Well, I think it's definitely the opposite. It's proven, but we've all heard our our parents say yeah. it. Um, I think it's definitely definitely the opposite. You can think of all kinds of examples. I, I, if you want to get deeper, and maybe this is a little off track, but. Uh, Steering your children towards, say, as a Christian, of course I want my children to be Christians. But it's not by me telling them and and verbally um, berating them or, or nagging them about, you know, going to church or whatever. It's simply, I think, what's made me successful so far in that regard is that they see me act like a Christian. They see, uh, because I, re, I, I, you know, I know all too many people, too many um, people from my generation who started going to church when they were, you know, two years old, and they went to church because the family went to church, and they went to church, and they went to church, and, and then by the time they were 16, 17, and, or went off to college, it was all done, because they simply went to church or, or something like that, because their parents uh, <clears throat> pushed them into, you know, this is what you do, this is what you do. But if, if you focused on what their parents did the rest of the week as a Christian, or that that's that's going to have a more lasting effect. You, you don't go to church because your parents went to church. Uh, you become a Christian because you want to walk the same, live the same type of life that your parents lived. Um, that, that may be an odd example, but... 
Frank, what about this? Uh, do you think uh, fathers need to at least appear to be cool? No. <laughs> I think you have to be a father, whatever mm -hmm. that means. Even if the child, you think the child's going to hate you, but that's what's necessary. The funny thing is they don't hate you for that long. They may say they hate you for five minutes. The next day, they're back to being your child. And commenting on what Tom said, being a Christian, I didn't, I didn't get any of that stuff. My stuff from example, I had a different life than most. The thing I remember, my father getting pulled over, and I remember him giving him the license, and the policeman, and putting a $20 bill around it. <laughs> and I remember, I said, Pop, what's that for? He said, you'll learn later on. But... <laughs> And he didn't get the ticket, so that's what I learned. And most of my uh, fathers were on the street. Wow. I learned a lot of things. Maybe someday we'll go into some of them here, or maybe not. I have to check the statute of limitations. Um, <laughs> most of my upbringing, and I, and I did get some good things from my father, as I alluded to, but most of my fatherhood, a fathering, came from the streets. Interesting. So... Um... <clears throat> so a father doesn't what about a, um, what about dancing with your kids or dancing for your kids or, or showing your silly moves I think it's a lot more fun to be uncool I think your your, your kids are going to find my my kids my daughters get uh, I have a lot more fun with me being uncool hmm. um, and I'll I'll go out of my way to to um, maybe exaggerate it and embarrass them in public for example hmm. right I mean, I I probably do that on a daily basis with my kids is is embarrass them in public, or, but or, or or be uncool in a generational way. You know, do things that we did as kids, and it's totally out. So, so why does that role automatically becomes us, where we we are not cool, we're silly, we embarrass, we well, it shows about, we're real. What about dad jokes. I mean, that's a, that's well, a whole category. But it's, <laughs> but it's generational. Did you think your father was cool? Uh, in some areas, I thought so. Yeah. Uh, I think you're a rarity. Each generation thinks the prior generation doesn't know what's happening. The reality yeah. is yeah. nothing has changed. It's still the same, <clears throat> to quote the Beatles. I mean, it's uh, fatherhood is fatherhood. Mm -hmm. I We've show my flaws more to my kids. You show your flaws Yeah, in a funny way. Your flaws? To, oh. Yeah, to my kid. My father would never have done that oh. with me. You know, so a lot of the negative maybe I found out of my father. I didn't find out the long after he was gone. Mm. You know, and stuff that I'm not saying I wish I knew, but I wish we had had a lot more conversations about those things. You know, I, I talked to my kids probably five to ten times more than my father spoke to me. And I was very close to my father for the important years, for the teen years. Mm. We were actually very close. And then again, in, you know, uh, later in my 20s, late 20s. But still, compared to how I interact with with my kids, I mean, of course, he had seven kids, but it, it's totally different now. It's um, I spend so much more time, but I wouldn't say that my kids. I, I'd say my kids would call me uh, cool because I'll go and I'll do things. I'm not afraid to do things with them that may, may make me look like an idiot, you know. <laughs> on the one hand, you know, but I'm also cool because I probably overindulge them. Oh. And I hope that's not not. Uh, too much the case, you know. <clears throat> so I imagine then that some corny jokes are in your repertoire. Not jokes that I can say. <laughs> Not ones that I want to bring. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I like doing as a father, it's not so much jokes, and I don't like stereotypes. I don't think anybody in this room, I think we've all this uh, stereotypes are, you know, I can't stand them. You know, men are idiots, uh, you know, that we always talk about. Uh, you know the stereotypical father in sitcoms and yeah. all. Nothing could be further <clears throat> from the truth in my yeah in my experience. Nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, there there are fathers I, I can't think of. I mean, who was who was the the father that uh, we looked up to as uh, kids? And even I knew my father did was was John Walton on the Waltons. Oh yeah. Okay, that was the model, and that we used to watch that show. <laughs> We're going back to the 70s now, and maybe uh, uh, Mr. M, have you, did you ever watch the Waltons? Shame on you. Go home and watch the Waltons. And that would be, you know, that was a Depression family, and it was seven, six kids, and we were a family of seven. And, and you know, my parents were Depression kids, so there was, that was what a father was, was John Walton uh, on the Waltons. That was a perfect example. And today, with all the, you know, the father's an idiot, 
and is always being saved by the mother. I, 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 I just don't. I mean, maybe they're out there, but I don't think that's done anybody. A humor is always great, but I think that one's been overdone, um, overdone in a big way. You know, the Cosby show totally kind of, you know, I know the Cosby is certainly out of uh, favor now, but, you know, he did a lot to change that for a while. Um um, but he often played the the buffoon role. He did, uh, but he always came around by the end. Or <clears throat> yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, he was trying to prove a point. He was trying to prove a point to you know maybe his that, that culture too. But the, the women's movement made it necessary to downgrade the father. Ah, very so, good. Very good. Uh, yeah, and and as I say, the soup de jour, mm-hmm. so to speak, was the women's movement, just like it is gay and lesbian now. If the writers of the shows and the multimedia and, and everything, they pick up something like that and they run with it. And they're the ones that change. Because it, it doesn't take a lot of people to change society. Mm-hmm. It takes people with influence. That doesn't mean they have <clears throat> intelligence. That doesn't mean they're right. But they can disseminate it enough. And unfortunately, enough people follow it without they normalize research. it. They normalize it because it's coming from, A, someone who they impart knowledge to because they know how to act or they know how to sing. In reality, they're good at what they do, but not in what they're trying to impart. Yep. And that's in the face of, uh, there's probably, I can't think of a subject where the statistics are more blatantly in your face than, than statistics regarding the father, fathers and the absence thereof, regardless of culture. Um, the change in the role of father, the toxic masculinity thing that's going on now is just the whole thing on steroids. Um, the belief that, you know, fathers are, are actually, or or the male role is actually a, a toxic thing to men. Um, every statistic that's come out since the 50s and since uh, the, the war on poverty in the 60s has proven that the absence of fathers and the, the lessened role of a father has been disastrous. Uh, for American culture and for American males, you know, uh, on the whole. Uh, to, to expand on what Tom said, you know, I looked this up before we were going to have this, and according to Pew, in 1960, 5.3% uh, of the uh, births were out of wedlock. In wow. 2017, it's 40.2. Wow. That's 750% increase. Wow. And that tells you a lot. <clears throat> And they also had the percent of fatherless homes by race. And I looked up Florida, and I found it interesting. Asians are 17%. Whites are 29%. Higher than I thought. Hispanics are 41. Wow. And blacks are 61%. Oh, my goodness. And that's Florida. And nationally, I've seen it numerous times. Those numbers for blacks and Hispanics are at least 10 to 15% higher. Wow. And it's no accident, in my opinion, that that coincides with, again, Johnson's war on poverty. Because prior to 1960, what most people would be shocked to learn if they don't already know already, the rate of single-family black households prior to 1960 was actually lower than white households. Hmm. And the decrease in, in poverty in in the, the black family going from, say, 1920 to 1960 I don't know, it's 30% less blacks were in poverty by 1960 than they were in 1930. So why, why was there a rush to, to, for this war on poverty? They, we had been succeeding incredibly in, in, in the prior 30 years. Maybe it wasn't where we were supposed to be. So now you have the war on poverty, and, and now you go from 5% or 4% um, for African Americans to now where it's in the 70s nationally. Um, and if, we spent uh, tens of trillions in uh, the war on poverty. Uh, Twenty-seven trillion dollars, thirty-three trillion dollars. Um, no, we've just we've we've taken away <laughs> the need of a father because yeah. the way way it all works is you're penalized. Yeah. A, a, a family with a a father gets less benefits than a family without a father. So why have the father? That's it's <laughs> it's a, it's an economic, it's a it's a poor economic decision. So you remove you remove the father from the household, and how do you expect uh, the last three generations of men to grow up without a father? Uh, how do you expect them to act without without a fatherly role? The the, the statistics on incarceration, on um, you you it's and this this is putting it bluntly. 
but the statistics almost prove that it's almost better for a young man to lose his father to death than it is to have him in jail. Wow. Because having not having that father uh, uh, at all versus having that father in jail and having him being a, a poor role model or or and and it's uh, and, he, and some even use that argument with divorce. You, it's it's almost better not to have them exist at all than it is to have them exist wow. in a negative light. <clears throat> uh, but the statistics are they're so blatant, but they're they're just entirely ignored. Uh, we just fly in the face of it. Since we're talking about statistics, I had occasion also to look up a couple of things, and I found this interesting uh, concerning uh, having a father at home. Uh, so this is a study called The Science of, of Fatherhood. Uh, it says uh, two-year-olds with supportive fathers uh, score higher in cognition. Basically, they're, they're smarter. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a their IQ pretty, test by the age of three is up by is thirty to forty percent higher. Yep. That's incredible. Uh, here's another one: <laughs> daughters of involved fathers take fewer sexual risks. So do so do sons. I imagine so do sons. Mm -hmm. uh, children with involved parents become well-adjusted adults. Isn't that an idea? So uh, <clears throat> has anybody uh, ever taken a road trip? The family and the kids and uh, anything yeah. that you guys that anybody wants it's, to share? it's one of the best things you remember as yeah. uh, later in life I mean I remember doing it when we were kids that's all we took our road trips because who could afford nobody got on a plane and went anywhere in the <laughs> 60s and 70s even if you had the money everything was a, a road trip and facing backwards in the third seat of a station wagon as <laughs> 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 in America from from the back you know going looking backwards but I I remember the first time we did that uh and and the kids still talk about it better than anything that we ever did, because a lot of good happens on those trips, a lot of bad happens on the trips, you know, a lot of aggravation and uh, you know what my daughters call uh, drivers Tourette's, you know, when you're driving across country and stuff. But they still talk about it. That's a that's a great example of you know. our very first road trip in this country, 1973. We had a Chevy Impala, 1968 green metallic green it was used we had bought it used my father and the whole family we did we were living in uh, northern jersey we we decided we were going to visit a a distant relative the only relative we had actually in connecticut so we hopped on the car and we we took off this is uh perhaps uh mind per, maybe two three months after we got to this country okay so we take off and uh, I, I think uh, Connecticut or where we, we were going to Hartford, Connecticut, which I believe is probably maybe at the most two hours from where we were. Uh, my memory may fail me, but eight hours later, we still had not arrived. <clears throat> and of course, there were no cell phones. There were, uh, and, and, and the issue was my father was not used to having, in, I guess in the, I forget what the, uh, road the, the the highway was called but he was not used to having the exit on the left side and in new jersey that's very common and so he just kept going he 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 said i, I can't find the exit i can't there's no way to turn around or get off this thing to perhaps maybe find a phone a pay phone so and of course uh <laughs> not not we couldn't stop to ask for direct direction so we needless to say the whole family Everybody was just going bonkers in in the car. We we just we were beside ourselves. I don't know how we managed somehow to get off. Uh, I, I actually it, I don't know how we got off, but we did stop somewhere. It was past midnight. We uh, at a gas station. We called, and of course, uh, the, the the family of where we were going. They said, "Stay right there. I'm coming to get you." And we were about thirty minutes away <laughs> still. <laughs> so. But, you know, uh, one thing I remember about that trip was that uh, we sang and we sang and we told stories and we laughed. Um, you know what 99 bottles of beer are? <laughs> okay. My sisters and I used to sing a lot, so uh, I remember the whole family was singing the whole time. Not the, not a, There was a point there that it got tense because obviously we needed to get somewhere and we had been several hours on the road but anyhow road trips uh definitely 
Um, now, if you cannot afford that, uh, again, as a young parent, there are many other activities that you can do. Um, it's not just about providing. It's not just about paying the rent or paying uh, for a roof over your head or food. Uh, like you said earlier, Tom, just being there, being present. Um, children, it's amazing. And sometimes we need to sit back and ask ourselves, okay, what, what would I have looked for in my father? What would have made my day? What would have made me... Uh, love my father or feel warm about what if my father would have done and that's exactly what we need to do with our children because well, uh, well there's a biblical uh, uh, maybe not biblical I think it's in the Talmud it's a, it's a Hebrew <coughs> saying where uh, when you teach your son you teach your son's son uh, and again I think yeah. it, it's just because I and mean, you don't you're not you're not uh, consciously doing that but I I laugh uh every day at how much I am my father so just by osmosis. I mean, I'm sitting right now at this microphone. In a, I'm sitting holding my hands and everything in the way my father did 99% of the time he sat at a table. And I never even, don't even realize it. This is how, actually, the microphone's in the way, so it would be, you see it. It would be a little different. But I sit, you see the only thing different is I don't have the pack of cigarettes with the lighter that it would be constantly fidgeting with. But um, I, I sit like him. I, I do so many things I, uh, that he did without even realizing it. And, and that's just for the little things. So you imagine it, it's it's osmosis or whatever you want to call it. And that's why that that's the only reason I focus on on being there. So being there and acting, how you act towards your wife again, I, you know, and all that. I think that's just teaching them. Uh, so that it becomes a generational thing, well, hopefully a good thing generational. Nothing more rewarding than to hear a child say, when I would grow up, I want to have a family. And that's mm. that's saying a lot. That that means that they're watching something that they want, they want to emulate something. Mm -hmm. They want to be like you. Uh, what about you, Frank? Do you see some of your father uh, mannerism? In, in no, I have just the opposite experience. Really? I never... and. and this group of men I'm with, we went through a program called My Freedom, and I remember Tom saying that uh, he was the young man put on a pedestal, and I remember saying to Rico, I was the pedestal. Um, I don't remember getting any pleasantries from my father. Um, but the good thing is I might have not learned a lot by that, but I learned to do just the opposite. We didn't take any family trips. Mm. Matter of fact, uh, because it was a mixed marriage, my mother's Jewish, my father was uh, Italian Catholic, and uh, because of his alcoholism or whatever, he never explained it. I wasn't uh, allowed to see aunts, uncles on either side, grandparents. I basically was isolated, except my mother would, because uh, her sister and mother lived out by Coney Island. Hmm. So she would sneak me out there once or twice a year. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, my saying is the apple don't fall from the don't fall far from the tree, but sometimes it can roll downhill. <laughs> I roll downhill. Thank God I'm not what he was. Well, I, I, you know, that brings up a point for me. One of the things I try to do the most <clears throat> with my kids is is um, tell them everything they can possibly know about my childhood my upbringing and then going back you know my kids are adopted so they're they're not um you know obviously my grandfather there's not uh there's not hereditary you know there's not genes there that they have to worry about or or hope to get or, or whatnot but in order for them to understand me they have to know more about me hmm. so they know everything they know a lot about me and i love telling them stories about my childhood and about you know the old uh bring up Bill Cosby again, um, you know, walking to school uphill both ways in the snow kind of stuff, those stories. And all those, and, you know, some of them they heard a million times. Some of them they like to hear over and over again. And some I like bringing up. Some of the stories are hilarious. One, it's great for me as a father to tell them because it's, it's uh, what's the word? It, it's a catharsis in, in one respect. And then you realize, you know, I, I had a pretty cool childhood or, or, or you bring out something that, that is emotional or, but the importance there is that it, your kids then understand you better. I didn't understand my father at all 
why he was certain ways he was until long after he was gone or even, uh, you know, shortly after he was gone. And then the stories came out because my father never sat down and told us this happened and that happened. I didn't know about my grandfather. You know, my father found my grandfather. Um, you know, he had committed suicide. I didn't know that until my father was gone. Hmm. We were told he died of tuberculosis. So, and then when we got the whole story, I understood why my father was the way he was. He was forced at the age of 13 to become a father. He became the man of the house. And his mother, my grandmother, made him the man of the house. Put all the responsibility on his shoulders at the age of 13. So I'm not saying he was bitter or not, but it changed him permanently. And now I look at that and I say, aha, that's why my father had that wall up. That's why he had, you know, this. that's, that's why he was the way he was. We were not told anything or, you know, the Irish heritage is is one of those where, you know, you don't talk about a lot of things, you know, and, and they didn't. I'm trying to do the absolute opposite. I want my kids to know everything there is to know so that they understand me, they understand the big picture, you know, and they have a much, much better way of coping and dealing with things and understanding, you know, my faults and why I am the way I am. And, and hopefully they'll be the same way. You know, I think the three of us admire Dennis Prager, and about two years ago he mentioned you should write your autobiography relating to what Tom said, and um, I did it, and it's amazing to me, um, my stepkids, um, they only see me now, and in, in light of, I think I've changed dramatically, and but I'm also blessed financially, thank you, Jesus, uh, they didn't see the struggle until they read what I actually went through. Wow. They had no idea that I would, as a young kid, see my father being violent, my mother's blood dripping in the sink because he hit her in the mouth. And wow. they just, you know, they just thought it, wow, you, and I'm married to a black woman, so my, my kids, stepkids are black, of course. They just see me as this, the white guy <laughs> until, wow. until, until they read and had an idea that is precious. of the journey. Wow. But yeah. you have to share it with them Absolutely. because it, 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 no matter what your <laughs> situation was, and I wouldn't change a lot of how I grew up. I'll make a disclaimer here. I'm, I'm, I'm bitching truthfully a lot about it, but it made me who I was today, yeah. who I am today. And I got some good positive things out of it. Um, I wouldn't change it, but they, they think it just came easy. It really doesn't. And I'm sure it didn't come easy for any of us. We all have our own struggles, some mm -hmm. more than others. You know, and I have to overcome whatever happened as a child. Well, I'm but, doing the same thing now. We, you know, we talked about the Prager thing. I'm doing the same thing now. And I'm finding it's, as, it's, it's every bit as beneficial for me. I'm doing it for my children because there's a lot of humor in it. But I'm also bringing up stuff from my past that I've forgotten about. And I, I read it on paper and I say, you know, some pretty cool stuff, pretty interesting stuff on here, you know, when you put it all together into one one little box, you know, you forget things yourself. And you start to understand yourself a little better when you get older. Yeah, but some, you can't tell them everything. Uh, no, not everything, but, you know, uh, no, no. But, um, Come on, Frank, you got to tell us some of those no, things. I'll, I'll wait for the deathbed for some of that. Even you guys, which I shared a lot, I didn't share everything. Uh, I've told oh, them more no. than I, yeah, I've told them more than I thought I would. Yeah. Well, the, here are, um, I'm sorry, you were saying? No, no. Here are um, <clears throat> 10 generally accepted principles about dads that I found very interesting. And, uh, and I say generally accepted because uh, I looked in various sources and uh, varying degrees of expressing it, but generally they were the same. Uh, so first one, being, uh, being your child's first teacher. In other words, the first teacher that that child ever interacted with, whether you taught him how to tie their shoes or how to, how to uh, brush your teeth, their te teeth, or uh, using the potty, uh, being your child's first teacher, uh, that sometimes, believe it or not, you think that that is just second nature and that is duh, yes, with uh, this, the way society is today, and I'm not, I'm not knocking it in any way, but sometimes. Uh, a mother has to go back to work right away. And they have to. 
and the child is left with uh, somebody else raising them, and that person would be the first one that would teach that child. And the mom or the father would come home, and you'll hear, guess what they did? I mean, and, and you weren't there. I mean, that, that's just uh, the, the type of society that we live today. Again, I'm not knocking it. That's just sometimes it's just necessary. Uh, you have to take it one step further. You Today, it's not being the first teacher. It's being there, being the uh, the, the, the final say kind of thing, being the uh, the ultimate teacher, always being there. Mm-hmm. I My kids don't go to public school. And, uh, I, for example, they happen to go to a school that's um, – very in line with my values, so I'm very comfortable with them there. But now they're about to go all the go off, or one's in college now, and now we all know what, what's happening there. So I, I want to stay there as their teacher the entire time, because when I'm not teaching them, who is? That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to relinquish that role ever in my life, because I'm not confident uh, in too many other people to, to, to fill those shoes. You know, my day, it was it was the nuns, and and it was great if the, if the nuns that I had were still around and and they would teach my kids. I'd be, I could step back and relinquish some of that role, but I'm not willing to do that. Certainly not. Uh, where they are now, uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to put them into a school where, where uh, highly unusual, uh, old style school with very uh, traditional values. Uh, but if 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 I weren't fortunate and I, and and they were in public school, boy, I I don't know what I'd be doing in in terms of uh, allowing someone else to teach them or indoctrinate them. Here's another one. Dads need to exemplify a good life, uh, and that resem- that reminds me of uh, like being a an, like an open book or like a letter from God, a letter that the child r- will read. Um, another one. Provide for your family. You know, it, it comes natural to us men to provide, in general, in gen- generally speaking. Uh, I don't think that's true nowadays. Well, generally speaking. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's interesting how uh, the good Lord instructs a man to, uh, to love because that comes hard. It doesn't instruct the man to protect or to provide. So that's where I was coming from. Uh, whereas it intru- the, the good Lord instructs the woman to 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 uh, obey, and I know that that perhaps could be another topic for another day, uh, but it doesn't say to the woman love because that comes natural. Mm-hmm. Um, another one would be uh, good dads discipline their children. That's missing in today's society. And you, I think it was you who mentioned at first, uh, we cannot be our kids' friends. I think that's the first mistake. Friends cover for each other. Um, and uh, I know that I've never been a, uh, my kid's friend, and uh, that that that's been a fad that comes and goes. But I think it's still present about being your kid's friends, and that comes from that aspect of being cool. And yeah, it it sneaks into me, but uh, I I won't I won't uh, <coughs> chastise myself. But um, I'm more likely to have have more fun, mm-hmm. do something a little silly with. With and I think most fathers would be with my daughters than than my my wife would be. Mm-hmm. So it's how often do you hear the term? And I'm not saying when you're doing something truly bad, but um, how often do you hear the term? Uh, just don't tell mom. <laughs> how often do you think your wife says don't tell dad? And I think probably <laughs> the only time they'll say that is if they're making some kind of purchase in a store that you know mm. you know dad's going to blow his uh, cork at. But when you know, when we're at, uh, you know, the racetrack and, and my daughter's driving, you know, a high-powered golf cart or she's doing something that, you know, maybe a little, you know, don't tell mom, you know, yeah. that. <laughs> so uh, The next one we already talked about, that's spending time with your children, being there. And, and this author in particular ex- accentuates that being there, it's not empty time. Um, the next one is compassion is a dad characteristic that is that to me that's profound because uh men uh, I, again in general in general generally speaking men are not typically compassionate uh softies um but that's a characteristic that uh we ought to emulate uh, putting your money where your mouth is um i i, I guess that per, would pertain to uh, spending wisely, uh, 
you know, like for instance, somebody that would rather go gambling than to put food mm -hmm. on the table. I imagine that that has to do with that. Uh, the next one, this is a biggie. Don't provoke your children. Provoking them, provoking them to anger. Uh, you can provoke a child by, by calling them names, by belittling them, by being sarcastic. That's a biggie. That's, uh, you know, parent fathers uh, that tend to be uh, very involved in busy lives. They could, they could. Uh, sarcasm is a is a tool that can be used in a very negative way. Sometimes verbal abuse yeah. is worse than physical abuse. Oh, absolutely. And again, relating to my father, let me beat him while he's down. Um, <laughs> I, I was uh, incapable of doing anything. I wasn't going to amount to anything. There was, there was never a good word from his mouth for me. I mean, I remember even when I graduated college, I was the first one to graduate college. Uh, and to, first, he, he promised me a car, and then he reneged on it. And second, no family get-togethers. We went to the local Chinese restaurant. It it, it sort of was sort of like a passing thing. All right, you got to graduate college. You gradu graduated college. Let's go to uh, Lee Wong's, and and that was it. No, fa it, was, it and and that had an impact on me because it was hard for me later on. It, it took me a long time to realize that I had to instill in the children that I believed in what they did and it was worth me saying great job because for me it was expected. One of my father's favorite things is if I said uh, if, mm -hmm. if it was like this and his saying was if I was built like your mother you wouldn't be here. <laughs> if wasn't allowed in my house. And that's probably why even with you guys, you know, if you guys oh. say six o'clock, I'm there at six o'clock. And it and it it was difficult even to some degree it helped me when I owned businesses. Mm. Because my word was my bond and whatever I said had to get done. But it was also cut the other way, because a lot of people can't deal with that. Yeah. Interesting. Here's another one. Um <clears throat> dads pray for their children and I, I would imagine whether you are a believer or not that you can also whether you believe in any higher being and you pray or not but you can substitute that and say uh, dads um, have good thoughts over their children or dads have good wishes over their children and, which means uh, they're, they're present they're, they're, uh, uh, they're present in their mind and then the last one, uh, and Tom, I don't know if you want to talk to this, but I thought of you when I was reading this. Uh, I'm not. It's it, dads never give up on their kids. No, I mean I'm still early, not early in the game, but um, you know, some of us, and me included, by that it's not giving up, but it's having. I you, I turned to faith. I was in a moment of faith when I needed faith. Had I had a prodigal son. Or prodigal daughter moment, and uh, uh, it was clearly it was right out right out of the Bible, and it um, and in retrospect because of my faith and the timing of my faith, um, it I almost uh, am thankful that it happened. Um, had I not had that faith, um, I don't know if I would have survived it, but I did have the faith, and once I recognized it as a prodigal uh, daughter moment that it was you know word for word uh, right out of the playbook um, you know I was able to lower my blood pressure and sit back and lo and behold that's what it was and all of us are the better for it uh, but no I don't I don't I don't give up on my kids I actually um, I'm actually enjoying my kids um, idiosyncrasies they're doing things that uh, three or four years ago I never would have um, condoned and I'm not saying they're doing anything negative but they're going into careers I'm saying oh that's not where you're going to make money or but they're going on paths that I thought that I look at and I say well I didn't have the courage to do it you have the courage and I'm that's I look at my kids they have strength they have independence and they have courage and they don't care what other people think which is such a common thing among the young today is the group mentality and mm. 
being politically correct, my kids are anything but. They're very independent. They're very strong women, and I'm actually enjoying it, and I hope it continues. But it That's doesn't great. make it easy as a father um, when they do things that just are not, uh, you know, are not the way you did it or not the way you were taught to do it. But it fits their personalities. You know, I, they're not little mini me's. I'm a, I'm my father's mini me. Anybody who knew, knows me and know my father, there's a reason why I'm junior. Same name and junior because I'm a mini me of my father. My kids, you know, again, they're adopted, so they're not even close to that. So, of course, there's the added challenge of not knowing what to expect. <laughs> but um, it's also a lot of fun. It's stressful at times, but a lot of fun. So I, I'm, I'm learning to enjoy it more when they go against the grain. And even if it's migraine, you know, my uh, migraine, yeah, it gives me a migraine. Even if it's against what, what I, you know, what's been ingrained in me. So My experience is a little bit different. I thought my father was totally disenfranchised from me because they moved to Florida when I was 18. So I was alone since I was 18. Um, but later on in life, I uh, had the opportunity to get involved with a group of people that uh, most people wouldn't consider savory. Matter of fact, we would say the mafia. <laughs> and somehow it came, my father came to realize that I was gonna do a favor for someone and all of a sudden I get a call. He just said, Frank, this is your father, like I didn't know. Um, you know what you're doing for blah, blah, blah? Yeah, stop doing it. I said, but Pop, I'm making, stop doing it. And I stopped. But the point is, all these years I thought he was disenfranchised. And you say never give up. I thought he didn't care. Or maybe with age he he sort of changed a little bit. And I was, I think, 27, maybe 26, my first business. He reached out. He didn't want to see me go down that road. Wow. Well, so even you know, he didn't give up. You know, uh, we're all um, products of our environment, our upbringing. Each of us come from a different background. Frank, your your dad. Who knows? Um, the I don't know how much you know about how he grew up and his environment, and that shaped him. Uh, but one thing is for sure: I am certainly grateful. I'm grateful to you guys. I'm grateful to uh, those around me, my wife, my own children, that have um, made me make corrections. And that's that's the beauty of it: uh, making course corrections. Is there anyone here today that can say that they have never made a mistake when it comes to children? No, that's why I said uh, we're all amateurs. Completely. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, it hasn't always been easy. I, I'll be the first one to tell you. It hasn't always been e easy for me to admit, yeah, I, I made a mistake. But that's uh, that's something that I wish I would have uh, understood and, and done earlier. But now I, I do that and, and I see it. And so I'm grateful for you guys sharing. I'm grateful for... Uh, helping me be accountable um you know it's your effort though it's it's, it's we're all, fatherhood is all about mistakes we never remember the successes because we don't know if they're successes mm. we don't know half the things we don't know how good we're going to be until maybe we're gone but but we will focus on the mistakes oh should have done should have done and we're and regrets forget about it we all have piles of regrets and you can't focus on those what i what i have no tolerance for and what i get preachy about is is the lack of effort or the total abdication hmm. of 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 the fatherly duty i mean it's it's what is more special than being again and i and i don't know the experience of a father of a son and and sometimes i say but do i regret no but i know what it's like to be the father of a daughter and it's a precious 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 thing because it's you know when you you love your wife and a lot of that love is based on desire and that's how you met in the first place. You had a desire and a, and a passion for her. That's the kind of love you have with your wife. You love your son because you want him to be better than you or be like you or to succeed. But you love your daughter. I love my daughter. It's, it's more of just love. I don't want them to be me. They're, they're a woman. I don't have a desire for them. They're my daughter. I just love them. You know, and it's all very different. And, and but people who abdicate that, whether they realize it or not, 
I simply have no patience for. I give you an extreme example that I deal with on a on a semi regular basis, and uh, being involved in the paternity industry that I am. When you see a man bring a seventeen year old child in uh, clandestinely and do a paternity test, <laughs> because seventeen years later after the child's birth. They find out that maybe their wife cheated on them 17 years ago. And the paternity test shows that the child is not biologically theirs. And then they relinquish their, they abdicate their fatherhood at that point. To me, that is one of the most disgusting things. What is the definition of a fatherhood is not biological? And I, you know, of course, I'm a little. I'm a little slanted because, again, being father of adopted children. But I've come across that. And you come across it always in, in more so in, in wealthier neighborhoods. Um, you know, more poorer neighborhoods have different issues with paternity. But to walk away, I can just imagine walking away from a, a daughter that you've raised for 17 years and walking away and washing your hands of it because you just found out that that your sperm didn't fertilize the egg, but you've you've raised them on a daily basis, and to turn around and walk away, to me that's one of the most disgusting things, you know. The flip side of that is is uh, I'll never forget when I uh, when myself and my wife decided to adopt way, twenty years ago, twenty one years ago, the first person that we told outside of the family was a very high ranking New York City official, uh, actually extremely high ranking. Um, member of the New York City Fire Department, uh, somebody I'd known for years and years. And I knew his kids. They were a little younger than me. The, he was a Little League coach uh, years back. And then, and he walked into my business um, a year, a day or two after we decided to do it. And he was the first person I told. And this guy was a Marine type. He was flat top haircut, <laughs> tough as nails. He had a reputation in the in the city as as a guy you didn't mess with, but he's a wonderful, wonderful man. But, you know, you looked at the guy and he was tough as nails. And the first thing I told him, and he immediately broke down and cried. And, you know, it's like expecting John Wayne to cry in front of you. <laughs> and what he told me was, is, you know, he says, you know, my kids are so-and-so, so I said, yeah, and, you know, he had three sons and, and a daughter. And he says, you know, A and B, they're, they're adopted. And I said, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> and he goes, you know, I have to, when, when, whenever the subject comes up and it doesn't come up, I have to think. When people ask me, sometimes I have to think for 10 seconds and remember which two of my kids are the adopted ones. <laughs> and to me, that was one of the most important things wow. I've ever said to me about fatherhood. And now 20 years later, I look at my children who clearly, when you walk in the room, we always laugh with my daughter because we'll go out and my daughter's Chinese and her friend isn't. We'll take her friends out to eat. And so people automatically assume that her friend is my daughter and not my daughter. But even me, I, I forget entirely that they're, you know. So it all depends on what your definition of fatherhood is. It clearly isn't biological. Or, and it, it's just when you look at how many people simply fail at it for lack of effort or for lack of that that. That, to me, is, is, is unforgivable. Showing up and making an effort, we're all amateurs. We're all going to make mistakes. Some of them are going to be pretty major. We're all going to have regrets. But uh, that I, I can tolerate. Uh, but those that just um, look at the biological aspect and, and hoo-hoo, I'm a dad, and, and that's the end of the story, uh, you know, that's unforgivable for me. I like to uh, – this was really hard to find. It's it's ironic, or it's perhaps, uh, or it's perhaps it's sad. A better way to describe it. I found hard. I was looking for quotes, quotes about fatherhood, quotes about fathers, and uh, only in uh, writings from the '60s, the '50s is where I found some worthy quotes about fathers. So I want to read you a couple of them. Uh, this one here, every father should remember one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. I thought that was impactful. Uh, this one, the nature of impending fatherhood is that you are doing something that you are unqualified to do, and then you become qualified while doing it. Yeah, we're amateurs. We're, we practice <laughs> on our kids. 
Here's another one. My father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. So I saw that one, yeah. Uh, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Wow. Uh, this, uh, a couple more. Children need <laughs> models rather than critics. That's a hard one. Especially um, when you want your child to succeed and you want to perhaps you're living through them vicariously or um, it's it's easy to get on the on the on the high horse of uh, being hard on them to do well in school and all that when you really need to just say do your best um, last one here father is the noblest title a man can be given it is more than a bio biological role it signifies a patriarch a leader an example a confidant a teacher a hero a friend uh, but but Frank I think the best one yet is the one you started out with and that is uh, man you become a man by, um, I forget what I wrote. By chance. <laughs> yeah, you become a man by chance, but you become a man of... Father by choice. You become, your being male is by chance. You become a man or father by choice. That is beautiful. There's another one I don't remember. <clears throat> uh, it has to do with how many men want to be a hero. You know, they want to be a hero some, some way in their life. And, and but they neglect the fact that the, the best hero they can be is to be a hero to their children. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll ignore how many you know famous people we consider, and you find out that they were miserable fathers. You know, and it's 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 it's, it's like my wife always said, if you and and this it's a tough one because you know sometimes you can be a great parent and it doesn't work out. You know, your kids just stray or for whatever reason, but we've always lived by uh, a motto of if you fail at being your parent, nothing else in life matters. And that might be a little harsh, mm -hmm. but uh, if you try to stick to that as much as you can, then, you know, you're bound to come out okay. Well, gentlemen, it's been a great conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a very important topic and close and dear to all of us, I know. Uh, we may not have fixed or solved all the problems of, the, of at least the country or uh, definitely not the world, but uh, I think uh, whoever listens to us, uh, there's enough in here to kind of at least make them think. Um, and uh, we all mean well. And, and uh, I, I guess the best advice is is that it's never too late to start. And uh, you you only live once, and you, the, your children are your legacy. Uh, and I heard once. Uh, said put it this way your children are uh your last defense your last arrow um that you shoot out uh in defense of your legacy thank you for listening to this episode if you have any questions or suggestions for future discussions, you can reach out to us on Twitter at the WTF Podcast or email us at wisdomtruthandfreedom@gmail.com. Like always, stay wise, speak the truth, and search for freedom. <laughs>